Magic Chain series with speaking. Today we have with us Mrs. Scott Greenberg, who is one part business game changer and one part motivational leader. Welcome, Scott. It's such a pleasure to have you here with us. So great to be with you. I just request you to introduce yourself to our audience in India. Sure. So I help um, in leaders and uh, organizations operate at a higher level by focusing on all the human elements that directly impact their execution. So it's all about culture and mindset and what we can do individually as humans to be a lot more effective as leaders. Absolutely. So Scott, um, thank you so much again. And we just start with our webinar. So the first question that I have for you is that in the light of the current scenario, there's a lot of confusion among people and consequently it's adversely affecting the decision making. So what is the first step towards managing the adversity that we're facing today according to you? You know, it, it's a good question. And what we have to understand is there's two levels in which we experience anything in life and certainly adversity. There's what's going on in the surface, which are the circumstances, the events around us. And then there's our internal responses. Both of these things are equally powerful in terms of influencing the results that we get. So what's happening externally? Well, we have this COVID-19, which is this terrible virus, which, you know, if it gets into our bodies is, you know, at best uncomfortable, at worst, it's fatal, it's something real. If it gets into our communities, well, suddenly we're social distancing and feeling the isolation. Um, and, you know, that is obviously inconvenient and very stressful. And then there's the economic impact, which certainly here in the United States, it's huge. Businesses are slowing down or they're closing down, we'll feel the effects of that for a very long time. These things are real. So these are all the surface external things. But internally, we're also experiencing them, that we have an emotional reaction. And we have to understand what that entails. When we have any kind of trigger, um, the first thing in our brain that activates is the limbic system. And that includes the amygdala, which are these two almond-shaped portions of the brain that are responsible for keeping us safe. And so they secrete all these hormones that give us a heightened sense of alertness. We're much more aware and we start to freak out. They're part of our fight or, or flight response. That's where the amygdala comes from. That's to keep us safe when facing adversity. The problem with that is it blocks the neural pathways to the prefrontal cortex. That's where we have logic and reason and problem solve. So when the amygdala is being activated, we can't access that part of the brain. It's almost like the fire is blocking the path between us and the fire extinguisher. So what this means is before we can solve problems, we gotta calm down, we have to chill out. You know, something happens to our brains when we rest. I, um, at night, I like to play a game on my phone. It's a, a word game where I'm given a bunch of letters and try to create as many words as possible. And very often I get stuck with the final two words and I start to get frustrated, I can't do it. And I just give up and I set the phone down. Get a good night's sleep, I wake up the next morning. First thing I do is I grab the phone and go back to that puzzle. And within moments, the answers are there. They just come to me. I didn't learn anything during the night. The problem didn't get easier, but somehow my brain shifted by resting and I saw solutions that weren't there before. This is true for all forms of adversity. If we take care of our heads first, take a step back, often we'll see the solutions and see action steps we didn't see earlier because we stopped with the amygdala and we gave our prefrontal cortex, cortex a chance to kick in. So we need to chill first and then we act. Still, that's, basically, that's the most simple way of putting it. The first thing we gotta do is calm down so that we can operate from a much more productive place. Okay, well said. So the next question to you, Scott, is one of the biggest psychological impacts has been reactions due to panic. People are overly cautious and as a result are making impulsive decisions. We're already seeing families who are hoarding stuff and even abandoning their pets. How are impulse reactions impacting us, according to you? 
Well, again, another great question. And I think we have to understand that there, there uh, again, there's three issues that we're facing. There's the virus itself, there's the economic impact, but I think one of the worst problems we're gonna contend with for a long time are the knee-jerk reactions that people are having. That again, because people are making decisions out of emotion rather than out of logic, they're doing things that they're going to regret. You know, a friend of mine had a lot of money in the stock market. Well, here in the US, um, the stock market has you know, really dropped and he just sold everything because he saw what was happening. Well, if you look at the history of the stock market, it, it goes like this, it's a roller coaster. And you can look at plenty of wars and crisis and, and economic downturns and those people who held on, suddenly things bounce back up. Now, I don't know his specific circumstances, maybe he needs immediate cash, but I see a lot of people who are panicking and making really bad decisions. And I think that we need to be careful of that. It's not like each one of us are individually are experiencing this. The whole world is experiencing this. So we're gonna see that people are gonna help each other out. You know, there's gonna be some latitude there. I think we need to be really careful about the decisions we make. We need to slow down, we need to pause and not give in to the emotion. And I think we can do in the long run, we're gonna be okay. So across the world, we're witnessing a lockdown on an unprecedented scale. With lockdown comes a feeling of extreme isolation. How can we sail through these times? And what are some of the habits or rituals that we should follow to emerge victorious from the situation according to you? You know, that isolation is a huge problem. It really takes its toll on our psyche because it threatens the very thing that makes us the happiest. There's been a lot of studies about, you know, human fulfillment and what makes us happy. One of the most uh, famous ones is out of Harvard University where for almost 80 years they've been following the same students, the same graduates, these men, and they've been following um, people from some, some of Boston's poorest neighborhoods and they've tracked everything about their lives, their uh, job status, their marital status, if they have kids, they've been doing blood tests and brain scans, looking at everything over time so they could see where people wound up and what were they doing here that correlated with how they wound up. And when they looked at the population that reported being the happiest and most fulfilled, it wasn't the people with the most money or the people with the lowest cholesterol, it was the people who had the most meaningful connections in their lives relationships, family and friends, they had meaningful connections to other people. And every study in human happiness shows that this is what we need one way or another. Well, right now that's being threatened when we're literally being told to socially distance from each other at a time where we really need to come together, which means we need to be creative about how we do that. And so I think what's so amazing is at least, you know, this time around with this adversity, we have this, right? We have technology, we have our phones, we have our computers and Zoom and Skype and other things that are allowing us to come together. Last week, I got together on Zoom with my entire extended family. We have not all been together in one place since 2013. Uh, and so here we are for the first time all being back together. On half of our screen, we're on Zoom. The other half of the screen, I created an online trivia game just random fun trivia. So we spent time talking, each one of us went around just kind of reporting how things were going. And then we played this game and people were joking or laughing and it was amazing. And when it was all over, every member of my family sent me text messages or emails saying how great it is, how soon can we do this again? And it was great. This wouldn't have happened had it not been for this crisis and were not been for the technology that we have. I'm now talking to people, connecting with people who I haven't spoken to in years. I'm getting crazy amounts of invites on Facebook. I think people have a lot of free time in their hands. We need to lean into these things. We really, really need each other. And I think that might actually be one of the opportunities of this crisis is this, you know, this chance for us to come back together and unite 
by any means possible. So whether it is by sending someone an email, by using FaceTime or text or Zooming, or going out in your balcony and singing songs with someone across the courtyard, we have to be very deliberate about connecting with other people because it's just one of our basic needs. I think this is one time that this has been made very clear. You do need yeah. to eat each other and you need people around you to, you know, even work nicely or, you know, properly like we used to. So, yeah. Also, Scott, in the digital era, while on one hand, technology has been helping us fight through these times by staying connected. But there's another aspect where this is being widely used to circulate false information and fake news as well, uh, you know, about COVID-19 crisis. And moreover, we're constantly being fed of stories of despair and bad news, which is, of course, taking a mental toll on all of us. So how can we filter through all this information that comes to us, you know, and, and stay positive? You know, it's funny. I think one of the ways which a lot of us are coping right now, uh, we are eating our feelings. Whatever food we can get our hand on, especially junk food, it feels so good. So we need to be more careful about that. And, you know, and we need to go on a diet, number one, to make sure that we're eating clean. And number two, that we're not eating so much food, good or bad. I think the same is true with information, that we need to go on an information diet, which means um, we need to focus on the good, helpful information that informs us and lifts our spirit. But also I think we need less information right now. I think if you check with the news once a day, you're gonna get the information that you need. There's been times in my life where I've been a news junkie, where I'm following politics and following everything, and I'm just taking it all in. And what I realized is it just didn't feel good, quite the contrary. When I took a step back and just checked with the news a little less often, I didn't feel any more, uh, I didn't feel uninformed, I didn't feel disconnected, but emotionally I felt a lot lighter and I felt a lot better. So I think right now we need less news and we need to be a lot more um, discerning about which news we let into us because most of the time it's just not helping. Okay, true that. So every single person in the world is right now going through a crisis, a battle that he or she is fighting. How long do you think we can sustain this and how do we emerge victorious from this? Well, let me first say that, you know, I'm very fortunate that right now my, fam my immediate family, myself, we don't have the virus in our bodies as far as we know. Um, economically, it's tough, but there are a lot of people out there who have it worse. Um, I work for myself, I work alone, I have you know, team members like yourself, but I don't have employees who are relying on me. So for those who do, there's that added burden there. And if you are an employee, you might've lost your job. And so I don't wanna pretend to have the solutions for everyone. But generally speaking, in terms of you know, how we cope and how long we cope, we human beings are incredibly resilient. And every now and then, life gives us these reminders, these tests, so that we can see how strong that we are. For me, many years ago, it came um, as a bout with cancer. I spent a year battling for my life. It was really, really scary going through that. What inspired me were stories, stories of other people who had successfully beaten the disease or other things. And my greatest source of inspiration at the time was my grandmother. My grandmother was a Holocaust survivor. She was from Poland and she spent World War II in concentration camps. She survived and throughout my entire life, she would constantly tell her story. She would show me her, you know, her wrist with a tattoo and she would talk about the gas chambers and the shootings and she would come and babysit me. I'm five years old, imagine this, I'm five years old. She's putting me to bed at night and instead of telling a traditional bedtime story, she would talk about being in the concentration camps. And the last thing she might say to me is, Scott, at night when they put us back in the bunks, we'd go to sleep not knowing if we'd ever wake up to see another sunrise. 
Then she'd kiss me goodnight and leave the room. That was my bedtime story. There was no moral, there was, there was no lesson, she just wanted me to know. But even at five years of age, I understood that her story didn't end in the concentration camps. It ended with her at the foot of my bed, as someone who's lived a full life, who had gotten married and had kids and grandkids and started a business, not only survived, but thrived. And I don't know how she got from point A to point B. I don't know how she did it. But what I did know is that she did. And just having that story in my family gave me inspiration saying, I don't know how I'm going to get on the other side of cancer, but people do and I can. Right now, as we deal with COVID-19, I don't know as a society how we're going to beat the disease, how we're going to you know, come back together, get our economy back on track. But what I can say is if you look at history, we have emer emerged as successful time and time again. And I'm certain what we have to understand is right now we're writing our own story. We're writing stories that we're gonna to tell to our own grandkids. The question is, what role do you wanna play in your story right now? Do you wanna come from a place of courage or come from a place of fear? Do you wanna come from a place of abundance or come from a place of scarcity? These are the decisions we wanna make. I wanna be a hero of this story. My kids are watching me right now. I'm teaching them how to deal with adversity. I think all of us need to make the best choices we can to come from a place of courage, to look back at history and say, you know what? If this thing enters my body, there's nothing I can do. But I'm going to focus on where I do have control, and that's on my mental reaction. I choose to be strong. I choose to be courageous. I'm going to be a hero of this story, and I'm going to emerge victorious. You do that, and this time is going to be a lot easier. And any last message to pass on to the viewers? Uh, just believe in yourself. If you take care of your head, it would be a lot easier for you to take care of your circumstances. Thank you so much, Scott.